Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Outside the Box. And I have a another familiar face. Uh, this is a performance medicine provider in the Kingsport office. This is Prateek Vaidya. Prateek, man, how's it going? Going well. I'm excited to be on. I'm excited right. to share all my new information I've been seeing with patients here in the clinic. Well, you know, I'm so glad you said that because that is that's exactly why we we love having you guys on the on the show because you guys can can uh, show me kind of what what are patients asking about what are you showing them yeah, inside the room, and that way people have access to this information no matter where they're at. And um, you know, Pratik, I think you know what we wanted to focus on today for this episode is diabetic technology and things that you're talking about with with your patients uh i'm assuming you know type two but but also maybe type one as well uh why don't you just how do you want to start off with 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 talking about diabetic technology yeah of course i wanted this podcast to be kind of telling people understand that when it comes to technology you don't need to always be a diabetic to really get a good grasp as well as information means you can still optimize your health even early on to get better ideas of what my blood sugars run, how can I manage the situation early before I become diabetic? There's a lot of ways you could kind of get the information without seeing a doctor initially to get better grasp and get better control of your health. And I always talk to my patients starting off, there's a lot of technology to get over the counter even, not even a medical prescription. They don't have to buy these fancy gadgets online on Amazon. You could actually find at their local Walgreens or CVS and then start checking and seeing what they could do with their health. I thought I'd spend some time today to kind of talk about what are what is a glucometer, how to check your blood sugar, what other technologies that other advanced diabetics may be using as we're moving into this more digital world. I wanted to, it could be kind of daunting to see this technology and be like, it doesn't apply to me. I'm not a diabetic. That's not true. So we could talk about CGMs or continuous glucose monitors. I know Dr. Rogers talked a lot about, I use it a lot in my patients that are bodybuilders, patients that are just did their Cleveland clinic labs and they just found out they're pre-diabetic or kind of edging toward high insulin levels. We could even talk about insulin pumps, something I personally use as a diabetic to understand how does insulin get into my body and how it works. We could even talk about the new technologies on the market right now, such as how Apple and Alphabet are kind of working with Dexcom, these other continuous glucose monitoring companies to get better ideas of how to advance data right to your phone or right to your Apple Watch even. So I kind of want people to be aware there's a lot of things out there that they may not be aware of. There are so many cool different things that that we can use as as you know people trying to take more control over our health. Yeah. And and I know you know in our last podcast we talked about reversing type two diabetes and yeah. you know, a, big, a big part of that is through um, through the use of technology. You yeah. know, and, and and you meant you mentioned the the continuous glucose monitor. Yeah. You know, that that being one, just understanding. Um, you, what foods and what drink, you know, spike your blood sugar up. Exactly. And, and how else would you know that without having a tool like that? I agree. Yeah. And people always say there's a lot of information out there. You go follow this diet or that diet, but they don't really understand how does sugar really interact with their body. For me, for specifically as a diabetic, I can't really have bananas. But of course, every doctor will tell you, you need six to seven fruits and vegetables a day. But I can't have certain uh, fruits because when I check my blood sugar about an hour or two hours after, it's reaching closer to 200. 
things that don't really spike my blood sugars personally is going to be more low glycemic foods such as berries, strawberries, blackberries, boysenberries. They tend to keep my blood sugars kind of more leveled. The best way to, I think a patient could really check and see, do they really have a sugar problem or a diabetic issue is getting something simple as this from over the counter, just a glucometer. It comes with some strips. You kind of put it into the sensor area right here. You prick your finger and you kind of check your blood sugar. The way I tell my patients that are newly coming in, whether it's for diabetes, health or just trying to see what their health looks like is check your blood sugar first thing when you wake up it should be it should be less than 100 if it's kind of creeping up when you're waking up over 100 that tells me your body's having a hard time breaking it down i tell my uh, bodybuilders you know what they may come back saying my blood sugar kind of dips sometimes or you know what i over carb load when i go to the workouts and i realize i feel more sluggish there's a lot of things that this small little meter you get over the counters like 20 dollars, and it comes with a few strips that can really tell you what is your exact blood sugar at that time? And that's something I've been trying to tell my patients to kind of urge to do. But this is where CGMs play a good role into understanding what their sugars are as well. Because as a long-term diabetic, if I'm not sure if you can tell from the camera, my fingers are a little bit sore from checking it five times a day. So I tell my patients, you know what? A CGM that you kind of put right here on your triceps, it checks your blood sugar about once every two to five minutes. And it'll actually, it won't check your direct blood sugar. It'll check in the interstitial space, but it'll tell your blood sugar for the next 14 days. So anytime you wanted to know when you were sleeping, when you're eating breakfast, if you're out on a run, what did your blood sugar look like? So you don't have to keep pricking your fingers. That's really fascinating. Can you, can you tell us the, the, the blood, uh, the, uh, blood sugar checker that you really like? Is there a sp specific brand yeah, you like? There's a lot of brands out there. Uh, Freestyle is a really common brand you see over the counter. I'm sure I know Dr. Rogers talked about the Freestyle Libre, which is the same company from Abbott that created the Freestyle Libre Continuous Glucose Monitor. There also is AccuCheck, iHealth, Contour is the brand that I use from Abbott as well. And um, I think I remember reading online that Apple actually makes their own blood glucose monitor too, surprisingly. So you could tell these big tech companies are actually getting into the health market as well. Now, when you say, you know, checking your blood sugar, uh, you can either use a glucometer or you can use the, the, the continuous, the CGM there, yeah. they do the same thing. One is happening continuously. The other's happening four to eight times a day. Uh, I would say the glucometer, you can check as many times as you want. I normally tell patients to come in, first thing, check in the morning, check at night before you go to sleep, then check before you have your snack or before you have food, then check two hours after. So if you follow a regular plan without snacking, three meals a day, you're checking on average five times a day. You don't need yeah. to do this every day, but it may give you some wholesome data to understand what does your blood sugar look like compared to you never checking at all and assuming everything is okay? The mm -hmm. continuous glucose monitor is very similar to how a blood glucose monitor runs. The blood glucose is the kind of the gold standard that tells you what your blood sugar really is. A CGM is something like this. It comes with a small little sensor. I'm not sure if you can see that on the screen. There we go. And yeah. it, it, it has a little film strip on there that literally runs into the body itself in the interstitial space. So it's pretty much the fluid area right between the cells of the muscle. The fat is not directly into the bloodstream. So there's a little bit of a delay to get the most accurate numbers, but they're still very accurate. So this is going to be probably about five to 10 minutes behind an actual blood glucose strip. That's going to be the most accurate, but a five to 10 minute delay, but it's going to check every single five minutes or every 10 minutes, every single hour, every 
uh, few days itself, or especially the next 14 days, like a freestyle Libre will, it gives you a wealth of knowledge. And it also kind of makes that data really easy to interpret. Sometimes for our patients who are older that don't use a lot of this technology, it could be kind of daunting, but on the receiver or it connects through Bluetooth on your phone, it'll give you nice little graphs and trends of data to tell you at this hour, at this time, this is what your blood sugar or your CGM or glucose meter was reading. You want to see that they kind of stay in relatively in the good therapeutic area, which is anywhere below 100, especially if you're eating. If you're, after you're done eating, it may go up a little bit, and that's totally fine. But two hours after eating, it should return back to normal, which is below 100. This may give you some data to understand, hey, I ate breakfast. I eat a pretty good, well-rounded bread. I hear that all the time from my patients. I eat fruits. I have an acai bowl, maybe some steel-cut oats, and then I go work out sometimes. But on the days they're not working out and they check if they with the CGM, they'll see. I didn't realize when I have this huge bowl of an acai frozen bowl from Trader Joe's, it says it's really healthy on there, has all of my vitamins, but my blood sugar is getting up into the 160s and it doesn't come down for about four hours. That tells me, you know what, your body's working overtime just to bring that sugars back down to normal. That's probably a reason why some of my patients crash early in the morning. So it's like, a, I think I talked on my, uh, my the last podcast, I was kind of saying, Intermittent fasting plays a huge role in not just diabetic health, but to make sure to get an idea, you don't really need to eat high sugary and carb loaded meals early in the morning. If you're going to go do a great hour of power lift, you're going to go for a run after, that's perfect. We know you're going to utilize those carbs really, really well. But if you're not, that kind of sits like almost like a lead bullet in your stomach, just getting heavier and heavier. And then after that, two hours later, when ghrelin spikes, you're like, you know what? I'm still hungry. I didn't get a good breakfast. So these little sensors do a really, really good job. This is a sensor that I use from Medtronic called the Guardian sensor. There's other companies like Dexcom that use a little sensor and receiver as well. And that will read your blood sugar for the next seven to 12 days as well, which is really, really nice. It all depends on what your insurance will cover. I've been utilizing with my patients a freestyle Libre because it's the cheapest over-the-counter with a quick script. They offer a two-week trial as well. That might give you a good head start to understand what is my blood sugar reading today or right now. So um, I, I got a couple questions. Yeah. Um, with the CGM, I hear two weeks a lot. I know I know part of the reason for that is that that's when the, the free trial is. Is, mm -hmm. that the, is that the only reason or are people only using it for two weeks just to get the data and then they 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 don't use it anymore or are people yeah. always are they like what are you advising your patients to do I advise my patients to try it out especially if they're more into fitness or just trying to get information about their overall blood sugars see if it's an actual issue they offer a free two-week trial nothing to really worry about there you do it for the two weeks most patients i would say about over 90 percent of my patients that try it end up wanting to do refill it and see if their insurance covers it i think on average a lot of my patients will pay more than 40 bucks a month because each sensor lasts two months you're getting like two sensors a month 40 bucks is not that bad of a price. And if it tells you a lot of that data, it could kind of help restructure your diet overall to create a better plan for you. I always like the, the Freestyle Libre, but it may be beneficial to call your insurance and say, hey, I think I may have a blood sugar problem. I want to try out a continuous glucose monitor. A lot of these insurance companies have contract with these major companies like Dexcom or Medtronic or even Freestyle. And they could tell you, you know what, for a really low cost price, as long as you get a script from a doctor, we could get you a three month supply for X amount of dollars. And that might be mm -hmm. something to look into with your doctor or your insurance company and see if that's something that's offered. We could always write you a script to get more of that information. I'm a big believer. The more information you have, you're armed with, the better decisions you're able to make for your future. 
Um, when you say, you know, a, a blood sugar spike or you mentioned like um, when you're high, you know, through the yeah. roof um, uh, with the blood sugar, what feeling comes with that? Because I just know that, you know, if I were to, if I were to eat a, it came to mind when you mentioned acai bowls, yeah. um, I used to love them, but I would, I would get, you know, if I were to walk, go for a walk afterwards, I'd get like that shaky feeling that just real low blood sugar feeling. Yeah. Is that happening because before that I have a high or like, what does high blood sugar feel like? Yeah. So hyperglycemia is something I've dealt with a lot, just getting a better understanding about my own diabetes. Even initially hyperglycemia is when your blood sugar is normally 250 milligrams per a deciliter over the normal limit. So that's pretty much saying if your blood sugar is getting that high. Some of the symptoms you may have is extreme lethargy. You just feel so exhausted, almost like if you just had an energy drink and you just crash from the sugars. It also relates to I'm so thirsty all the time. Your body is kind of congested with all that sugar in the bloodstream. The, the osmolarity, the actual thickness of that blood gets a little bit thicker. It's kind of pushing all that water out. So what ends up happening is you get really, really thirsty. You start drinking gallons or pints and liters of water saying, I am just so dehydrated, even though you're really not. Then you'll also even notice, you know what, I'm going to the bathroom so much more as well. You end up urinating, urinating, urinating because your body's defense mechanism is to dump all this sugar into the urine. They don't know what else to do with it since it's abnormal. So you end up going to the bathroom two, three, four, five times, even within the hour or even a few hours, which is abnormal. You kind of feel like your mouth is really dry. You feel like you're just lethargic, almost like all that sugar sticking to the sides of your cells. You may get a stomach upset or you may feel bloated, may have a little bit of diarrhea as well. So you know you kind of feel off, almost like if you have a sickness coming on. If it stays huh. elevated for a really, really long time, that's when we get into those danger zones. Blood sugars reaching 300, 400, 600. Those areas are called DKA, diabetic ketoacidosis. That's when your body's being like, you know what? You have so much sugar in the body. We don't know how to get this fuel source into the cells to be used as energy. So what ends up happening is insulin, the, the main hormone that's made by the pancreas to tell the body, hey, we have all this sugar in, this, in, in the bloodstream open up your door. This is your signal to use this as energy. But when sugar is that high and insulin is just not working the way it's supposed to, or it's so overwhelmed that there's just too much sugar around, what ends up happening is the sugar has nowhere to go. It just stays in the bloodstream, kind of saturated. So your body's like, you know what? We have no other choice. We'll have to break down something else as fuel. The next thing they're going to break down is muscle. Muscle provides a lot of great options for proteins and sugars and everything as well. Your body may release more glycogen, more other sugar stores, and it's confusion about how to get sugar into the body itself. As what you see, you end up losing a lot of weight. If your blood sugars are chronically elevated for even weeks, you'll start losing weight really, really rapidly because your body's breaking down its fat stores, its muscles. That's where ketones come from the breakdown of fat and muscle cells. So if you ever talk to anyone and someone's like, you know what, your bread just kind of smells like Starburst or a high sugary drink, it's probably your body kind of releasing this acetone and ketones to say you're burning something else besides sugar. Wow, that's yeah. fascinating. The one time I was actually diagnosed with diabetes, I was talking to the nurse in the ER and they're like, they stopped me midway sentence. Like, it sounds like you're just, you just ate a chocolate cake and you're talking to me now with your mouth open. It's like you can smell the wafting of sugar off the bread. And that's from ketones. So people that do keto diets, they check their ketones and really know, 
Are they really under that low carb lifestyle? Are they breaking down fat itself? And if they do come up in the urine, that's what the body does. It dumps that ketone that doesn't have any nutritional value into the urine. That's what people do with those keto sticks we see. Interesting. So, so let's go to what, what are a few other uh, pieces of technology that you're excited about, you know, in terms of, you know, managing diabetes, uh, managing just your uh, blood sugar levels. We talked about continuous glucose, glucose monitors. We've talked about um, just a regular glucose monitor where you're pricking your finger. Uh, yeah. Where else kind of, kind of is on your radar? One thing I've been using a lot lately, ever since I've been diagnosed with diabetes, I actually manage a few patients at our diabetics as well, specifically with an insulin pump. An insulin mm -hmm. pump is a small uh, device, actually, where you put into insulin into a little cartridge in here, and it kind of works almost like an artificial pancreas. It regulates your blood sugar by slowly dripping a little bit of insulin into the body itself. You connect it through a reservoir system. It lasts in your system anywhere between three to five days until that little cartridge is done with insulin but it kind of pumps insulin into your body. All you do is you check your blood sugar, or if you have a CGM, you put down what your blood sugar is, you kind of monitor it on here, putting down what the numbers are here. Once you do, it kind of has an algorithm in there where it's like what your sliding scale is, what your blood sugar should be. You're about to eat, let's say, McDonald's. You're going to get a hamburger. You calculate how many carbs are in there. So the average, let's say, Big Mac is going to be about 65 to 70 grams of carbs. You punch in 78, 70 grams of carbs. It calculates these little math ways on here, and it says, you know what? You you need nine units of insulin. It starts mm -hmm. pumping that bolus dose, which is that direct use of insulin directly into the body. It kind of lasts into the interstitial space. We were talking about that CGM and it slowly absorbs in the body way it's supposed to. When you're not eating, it slowly drips insulin called a basal dose. And that's what's going to help regulate your blood sugars throughout the day. So I know Andy uses an insulin pen. That's something where he's going to take a long acting insulin to maintain his blood sugar throughout the day. And then whenever he eats or snacks, he calculates how many carbs are in there and then gives himself a small little shot of insulin. That's a great way of doing it too. There's also smart pens now, just like how Andy's using a regular pen. The smart pen combines the CGM and the insulin pen all into one, which kind of connects to your phone and tells you how much insulin is left in the cartridge. When is your next shot? Are there alarms? Are you at any risk of having a low blood sugar? Because it's checking your blood sugar all the time, insulin has a side effect. If you give too much insulin, your blood sugars could kind of bottom out. That's an emergency issue called hypoglycemia. So this is a great tool that I use on patients that are new diabetics, if their insurance will cover it, to get better control. There's been a lot of studies out there that show insulin pumps do a much better job of managing your diabetes and your blood sugars on a day-in and day-out basis rather than relying on your own symptoms or checking your blood sugar multiple times a day and then you calculating what's the best way of doing that. So a lot of these companies like Medtronic has created something called a closed loop system. The closed loop system will allow your sensors, your continuous glucose monitor to work with your insulin pump. So it's this whole system where if the CGM notices your blood sugar is going up, instead of setting off an alarm and telling you, it tells your pump, give yourself more insulin. So it's automatically doing that and regulating it. If it starts noticing when you're sleeping overnight, your blood sugar is reaching in the bottom 60s, it may predict, you know what? It's starting to get maybe into the 50s and 40, where maybe the danger level, 
they'll stop your supply of insulin so you don't have to wake up and find out your low blood sugar. So it's a really smart way of just finding managing your blood sugars throughout the day. So insulin pumps is something that's really great if it's covered by your insurance, just to manage your everyday sugars and to get your doctor better data to look at to see what's your continuous sugars reading and how you correct it. And then the smart insulin pen, something if your insurance covers it, is a great way just to manage it. The only cons I have with the, the insulin pens is you got to carry this little device, this pen around with you everywhere you go. Mm. Oh no, like I don't know, I'm a big fan of friends and you don't know when cake happens. If that ever happens, you better have your insulin with you. So that's another piece of technology I try to utilize as well. You know what? I didn't know you're a fan of friends. Are you? Have, uh, yes. <laughs> have you watched every episode? Multiple times for sure. Joey is definitely my, my inner, inner person <laughs> right here. I strive to be. I was going to ask you who your favorite character was. And I'm a huge fan of Joey. Uh, but I can also see, you know, maybe, maybe Chandler, but I see, I see like <laughs> Chandler, Ross and Joey in all of us. We all have like those sides to us. Exactly. They're all the typical great characters. It's just an ensemble crew. And I think every show that came out after that is a little bit of resemblance of those type of characters. I love it. I love it. Central Perk. I, I yes. think we need to, <laughs> I think we need to uh, make all of our episodes with you around at like a Central Perk. Type oh, thing. perfect. I'll wear my t-shirt and everything. I got you. <laughs> um, now, you know, one thing you mentioned on the last uh, uh, podcast we had was, um, you know, this idea of, you know, if, if you're able to lower your carbs, then yeah. you can really, um, that lifestyle change can, mm -hmm. can really benefit you health-wise, especially if you're a, a, a type two diabetic. Correct. Is there any technology out there you like for, you know, um, tracking, um, managing, uh, intake, anything like that, anything that yeah. you kind of, you, you kind of prefer? Yeah, it's a great question. So I, again, going back into technology, there's a lot of great apps on the Apple store, even on the Google uh, play store that will count your calories, carbs, fats, your macros, as they say, kind of help you get a better idea of what you're really eating. Most phones will come with like a food diary or at least a place where you can kind of document what you're eating at every meal, but it won't tell you the extra information. I use apps like my fitness pal or noom that will count your calories, carbs, proteins for you. All you have to do is for breakfast, I had steel cut oats. How much? You measure it out, put it down. It'll calculate all the information for you. It's a good rough estimate. It even has fast food restaurants on there too. Some of them like Burger King, McDonald's, Subway. You put down what type of sandwich you're having. It'll calculate all that information for you since it's publicly available information. With that, there's a lot of information and apps out there. Even companies that you go online could download programs that will manage those without a doctor as well. Understanding like WellDoc or Livongo, they'll give you advice you know what we noticed that you're having blood sugars are this high based on your cgm or you know what we realize that you're eating a lot of fast food going out these are some general recommendations we make for patients this is kind of all incorporated in this technology or in the app itself and if you ever needed a doctor it gets you connected to them, which is really really nice but my fitness pal is a great place to start for all my patients i tell all my patients you may not really know what you're eating throughout the day it's really easy to forget you know what between lunch and dinner i snack about two or three times and you know what it's something small i just forgot about it but depending on what your choice of food was it could really cause a huge detrimental effect when it comes to eating low carbs i tell patients it's not all about changing your whole lifestyle being unhappy and sacrificing your happiness or giving up everything you eat on a daily basis it's about making a more alternative decision when it comes to low carbs 
I created a guide for a lot of my patients that come in and see me. I give them a, a little sheet that goes over what intermittent fasting is, how to break up their carbs throughout the day. And the more daunting thing is when they go to a grocery store and they're sitting with their cart, like what is a better option? What is a better alternative? I go through about 30 different brands of commonly eaten foods like tortillas, uh, bread, pasta, sugar, like candies or any type of chocolates, ice cream, or even meal replacement programs such as like Purple Carrot, Freshly, um, HelloFresh, any of those other brands that will actually ship meals right to you. And you can kind of customize it online if you want it low carb or anything like that. So those are a lot of great things you could use. And those are apps you could have on your phone to kind of order your next meal instead of ordering on Uber Eats, your next fast food delivery meal. These may be better, more long-term sustainable options. That's super cool. When, when, when you're when you're coaching patients, are you are you looking more at carbs or are you looking at all the macros? I normally look at just the carbs, but the other macros will be great too because we've heard of keto diets, Atkins, Whole30s. They do a great job of substituting. So instead of the carbs, boost up your protein. That's where you see people, you know, eating steaks every day, guzzling down bacon grease, spraying down their food with that. Of course, that's a great way you're going to notice weight loss with it, but is it a long-term sustainable way of doing that? No. If you don't cycle on and off of those meals, as everyone knows, they're kind of cyclical nature of gaining and losing weight. You get off keto a couple months after that, you need to go back on because you've gained all this weight back since you went back to your old lifestyle. The goal is you don't need to keep increasing your protein. Just find a better alternative to some of the carbs you're eating, such as for rice. Rice is probably one of the worst glycemic foods anyone could eat. But if you substitute for cauliflower rice instead, it's a very low-carb option. If you season it well, it tastes great as well. It's very easy for people, at least I've learned in the South, they've had a very set meal of what they eat. They have their proteins, their vegetables, and then maybe a rice, a starch, or some type of potato. But you could substitute a lot of that out. You can still have the same type of plate you're looking at. It's just a little bit healthier. I've heard of, um, I think, is it called right rice? Yeah, it, it, right rice is is a popular one right now. Um, I'm a big fan of couscous. Does couscous have the same glycemic index as rice does? It's lower than rice, but it could be even better. That's where I say cauliflower rice might be a better option. Even though, even though if you've heard of a brand called Bonza, they make it out of chickpea flour, actually, which is really, really nice, too. So it boosts the protein automatically because of chickpeas, but it keeps the rest of that um other options for carbs much lower though. They make pastas, there's a lot of great brands out there. If we ever had a chance to make an appointment and talk to patients, I kind of go through that and say, these are readily found at your food cities, your Publix, your Walmarts. So it's not like something you have to order specially online. I have a lot of patients that specifically, they they will die and love to eat breakfast. They were born and raised on, they've eaten it for 25 years. You can still have your cereals. Cereals are terrible glycemic food, but there are a lot of them made with almond flour instead or another type of root vegetable instead. You don't really taste, but still very, very low in carbs. Magic Spoon is probably my favorite brand of cereal I eat. Tastes like cocoa puffs, but you still get that taste without all the carbs. That's cool. I've actually, I've, I think, uh, I've seen Magic Spoon somewhere, and that is that's becoming very popular, is it not? Yeah, it's definitely very. It's, it used to be only available online. I think it was through a Kickstarter program, and now they're actually found at Target and Walmart now, which is kind of great. The the thing I love about this boutique is that you know diving into diabetic technology immediately puts us into this. Um, 
intentional mindset, you know, even, you know, just having a CGM or uh, having a glucose, a regular glucose monitor, it it's, it's forcing you to start paying attention to these things. And I feel like that's like, that's the main thing. Is it not just to get you in, into the mindset of, of, of tracking these, these sort of things. Is, is there anything else you like that you want to go over today in terms of uh, diabetic technology that you're excited about that yeah. you've um, talked to your patients about and they're loving? Yeah, I agree. I think it's coming to the idea and facing reality that yes, it may be a little daunting to get all that information right hand, but mm. you have great providers that are always there to help you and go through that information, kind of demystify all that information, numbers and patterns you're seeing on your phone. That's our job. We want to help you make sure that this never happens to the point where you end up becoming diabetic. At that point, it's a little bit too late. Now you have to make those major changes to your life that you may not even want to. Making those early changes later on or early on, I'm sorry, just getting slowly there may come to the point where you never have to go and become diabetic. We have to completely change everything. It's all about taking baby steps. And there's a lot of great things coming on the market soon, hopefully. Um, I, even though I showed you the Dexcom G5, they're coming out with the G7 soon, actually. And they're actually making that a closed loop system as well that will connect to your Apple Watch and everything. So as we get on with technology, we're moving to this more digital world of technology. These companies are thinking about that. When it all started with COVID, the big idea was EKGs, blood oxygen reading. Now they're focused on every other part of health. What about blood sugars? They understand there's a need for that, and they're incorporating that. So there was a big conference that happened up in, uh, earlier this year called the ATTA, which is Advanced Technology and Treatment for Diabetes. It kind of goes through all the new advancement of technology that's coming to the market, hopefully, in the next five to ten years. They're even talking about ideas of like artificial intelligence coming into insulin pumps and CGM sensors to better alert you and get a better idea on how to monitor it. There's a great doctor in, I think, Iowa. Um, his name is Dr. Mark Clements. He actually was talking at the conference itself saying that with technology getting better and artificial intelligence getting better, it's going to come to a point in the era where endocrinologists are going to be more like weathermen. They're going to kind of have charts and forecasts for your health instead of telling you this is what's actually happening, which is kind of nice. They could kind of look into the future and be like, based on all this data we're getting from a machine that's checking more about your health than the we could check, it's kind of nice to tell you, you know what the forecast is. If we don't change it now, you are going to have complications or maybe damage to the small microvascular changes to your arteries, or maybe macrovascular changes, you're going to be at a higher risk of a heart attack or heart disease even. So those are great things we're starting to see. Insulin, um, I know Dr. Rogers talked at I've talked a lot about uh, GLP-1 receptor agents, such as Ozempic or Monjaro. Those are once a week injections. They're not insulins. They're different types of type 2 diabetes. As of right now, insulin is normally the longest lasting about 48 to 72 hours. After that, you need to give yourself another shot for that basal, that long acting insulin. They're trying to look into how GLP-1s do such a good job that they could do one shot for the whole week. They're looking at how maybe we can get insulin one shot for the whole week. So there's a lot of great ways to do that. And I think that comes into like biotechnology and bioengineering of these molecules to make insulin work better. As of right now, the stats are saying that as of right now, 412 million people in the world are diagnosed with diabetes or have pre-diabetic complications. They're saying by 2045, they're looking at over 650 million people. This is not something that's going to go away. So I think addressing these problems now where we've been kind of taught the wrong way by either marketing companies, fast food companies, and the way they realize how our health should look like shouldn't always reflect that's what the future is going to be. It could be something you can make those changes right now. Are the two things that 
you think we should be focusing on the most is limiting carbs and from a technology standpoint, uh, doing whatever we can uh, to make our insulin work better. Is that is that kind of where your, your focus would be? Yeah, my focus, like, I think my, my patients come in to talk to me about this or their concerns. Like I have a family member that just got, diabe- that's, uh, got diagnosed with diabetes or, you know what, I have a long family history of diabetes is just understanding what the problem is. What is your relationship with your body? It sounds weird and no one really looks at you and like looks at your body, but like, what is my relationship with foods? Addressing those major issues. Then looking into, you know what, I realize I don't have the healthiest diet and that's okay. We could start working on that. The next is getting data. What does that look like? What is your relationship to what you eat sugar early in the morning? What's your relationship when you have dessert too late at night? Is the stress of your job working 14 hours causing you to eat poorly? Making those small changes and addressing those issues about your lifestyle is one thing people really need to look at. And then we could help you with the medical standpoint of moving forward and understanding what are carbs, how to change that lifestyle, what could you do outside when you're not with us, when you go shopping to lower your carb counts, maybe just taking off the bun when you go get a burger, or you know what, instead of getting a milkshake, maybe get a low carb drink instead, maybe drink half of that, understanding portion sizes, stuff like that. Even though we're not nutritionists, we're not trained by trade, we see a lot of this. And I personally, as a diabetic, see a lot and struggle with a lot of it as well. The goal is to get to the point where you don't need to get onto the insulin itself. Insulin is a hormone that's fat storing, fat loving. When you get to getting on insulin as a type 2 diabetic, you're going to get bigger and bigger until metabolic syndrome is going to be the worst enemy. And that's going to cause those heart attacks, changes to your cholesterol levels. So I address patients when they come and see me, what is your understanding and relationship with food? Man, what a place to end. I, I love the way you described you know, changing the relationship you, you have with your body. I think that's so important. That's something we all yeah. can take um, a note of and and really kind of have that conversation and it can have a real impact on your overall health. Uh, Pratik, man, is there anything else that we need to go over before we, uh, before we end this podcast episode? No, I appreciate you having me on to talk about this. I think people need to understand that when it comes to technology and diabetes and not one size fits all, and we could kind of demystify and show you what are the best ways to get that information and how, what you understand about your body. So highly urge to make an appointment and talk to us. That's amazing, man. Thank you so much for getting on the for being on the show today, guys. This has been Pratik Vedia. You can find him at Performance Medicine in Kingsport. Uh, man, I really appreciate the time today. Thank you for hanging out. No, with thanks, us. man. I appreciate it. I'm I'm love to share my information with you. Guys. Hopefully, we'll talk soon. Thanks again. All right, guys. Guys, this has been Outside the Box. Uh, he is Pratik Vedia in Performance Medicine of Kingsport. I'm your host, Ben Rogers. As always, we will see you guys next time. Don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.